This episode is brought to you by Harris Resort SoCal. Nestled against a rolling hillside and just down the road from Palomar Mountain, guests at Harris Resort SoCal can expect gorgeous views, friendly staff, available night and day to encourage everyone to have a great time. When I was there recently, I had a chance to dine at California's first and the nation's largest house kitchen. And it's true, the beef wellington and sticky toffee dessert are great. The restaurant is inspired by the hit TV show and features a menu approved by the Michelin star celebrity chef, Gordon Ramsay himself. Hope to see you all at Harris Resort SoCal in 2024. Thank you so much, G, for coming on. I know you're so busy with the tour right now. You're right in the middle of everything, right? Yeah. Thank you so much, Ken, for having me on your podcast. Uh, it's great to return and to talk to you after our live event in Los Angeles. I had such a great time speaking with you and hanging out with you in LA. It was incredible. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you for asking me to host it and uh, moderate the questions. I, I had such a great time. And, you know, uh, that uh, particular library with that room has been uh, so special because I grew up in LA and I attended a few talks uh, and I think perhaps even seeing Ocean Vuong in that room at one point. So seeing you up there and being with you was a very special uh, moment for me. Yeah, I mean, LA Public Library, I mean, this is like, you know, um, LA is such an iconic city for me and the library is, is so important. And I was really happy to be uh, able to to present my work there, you know, together with you and with, uh, with Ngoc and with uh, Jason and Quyen and Viet Thanh Nguyen, so many Vietnamese artists. It was, I, I, it was a team, a dream team that we had that day, right? Indeed, indeed. And we can all catch it, I think, on the LA Central Library's uh, website with the Allowed series. Is that the, if people wanted to look it up, it's Allowed, A-L-L. A L O U D, uh, it, the whole uh, hour and a half or two hours is on uh, video and it's uh, streaming live uh, on the on their website, I believe. Yeah, and we have music, we have poetry, <laughs> we have humor. <laughs> we had a lot of audience questions as well, and the library and uh, Making Up made a beautiful introduction, and Viet Thanh Nguyen, who won the Pulitzer Prize with the sympathizer made a surprise guest appearance. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it was amazing. You know, my impressions of after reading Dust Child, which is your new book, After the Mountain Sing, was it's a beautiful debut uh, into the themes of humanity um, as it all relates to all sides of the North, the South of Vietnam, and many unknown details to the diaspora because we are not often uh giving a glimpse into what goes on in vietnam in the early days uh, after uh, 1975. dust child is a, a love letter a continued love letter to the vietnamese all over the world that's how i feel about your new book how did you uh begin to conceive of this story um i think the seed of the story started a long time ago when i was uh, growing up in bac leo you know um um, some children in my neighborhood were mixed race children and uh, some of them didn't have a chance to go, go to university. Uh, some didn't have parents. So, you know, um, their circumstances were really difficult. Um, and um, I, 
I always wondered about them because, you know, um, I, I, I saw the discrimination that they face. And I was hoping that life would treat them better. So in 2015, I read an article on the BBC and and um and and the article is about this um American veteran who was um going back to Vietnam in the year 2015 with an album of old photos looking for uh in in the album he had many photos of him and his ex-Vietnamese girlfriend who was pregnant and he was looking for her walking the street of Saigon looking for her asking the people who whom he met asking them you know uh, do you know this woman because I want to find her to be able to locate my my child with her so the story was just so incredible that I reached out to a group of um, veterans you know and interviewed them and uh, the ones who who were looking for their family members and their stories was just so heartbreaking and I interviewed them and and I wrote about them on a newspaper of, uh, of Vietnam. I wrote uh, a long essay about them, you know, with with their pictures and also with the letters. I asked one of them to write the letter to the woman whom he once walked away from. And I asked him, you know, um, um, please tell her why you did that and why you have been, you know, spending your life your life's saving going back to Vietnam to look for her and he wrote a very moving letter which I translated and had had it published on the national newspaper of Vietnam and then uh, I actually I found one of the women in the in the article and so uh, throughout my real life you know work I also connected several people and their stories were just so heartbreaking because the couple whom I helped unite uh, they haven't been able to find their daughter yet. And this is the reality for a lot of Amerasians out there, you know, tens of thousands of them. And many of their family members are desperately trying to find each other. And, um, you know, um, and it's, there There are few, there are some, you know, stories with happy uh, ending, you know, like recently I have been translating for, um, for an Amerasian in Vietnam um, who was abandoned at birth and who found her her father, you know, like uh, just last year or just this year, uh, earlier this year. So I've been, uh, no, no, it was last year, sorry, um, because of my traveling. <laughs> I get mixed up with a timeline. But I started uh, to translate for them, you know, since last year. And, um, you know, and for their reunions on video calls and for their real meetings in Vietnam, he went back to Vietnam to meet her. And now he is, uh, now she, uh, you know, could immigrate to the U.S. and join him. So this is a story of, you know, a happy story because like the father is very welcoming and his family is also very loving and, you know, and this Amerasian um, woman, you know, like she grew up uh, not having her parents, you know, and she she looked for them for so many years and she's illiterate, you know, and faced a lot of challenges, uh, you know, for so many years. So I'm really happy for her. And I, I just hope that there would be more cases like that. But unfortunately, there are very few. You know, with technology today, 
with the Facebook and all the social media, if there was a war like Vietnam happening right now uh, in Vietnam, it, we wouldn't have the situation because everybody would kind of remain connected, right? You know, uh, I, do you, what do you think of that statement? Um, I think, uh, you know, wars, you cannot say how the situation would be if a war happens because like if there's a real war that people wouldn't be able to have the power or internet, you know, um, so so we people may also get uh, separated and and difficult to find each other because they may not have access to all of these technologies. Or if you if if you um, if you you know um, you also need to have you know all the electronics and and you know power internet to. To, to be able to um, find each other. I have, I have um, a student from Afghanistan and who actually, you know, was set, uh, has been separated from her family for, for so many years and in modern day, and she hasn't wow. been able to find her family. So when a war happens, you know, you, you cannot say what, what, you know, what can be within our control. Um, yeah. So, um, I also know that when people find each other, you know, they ask so many things that happened that that leads to even even more uh, heartbreaking uh, situations than they had expected to. So sometimes, you know, when you find family members, you find things that you did not expect. So I know a, a mixed race person in Amerasian who has been thinking for years about finding her family members and she decided not to until today. And there, I got to know um, an American man recently and she he found his mom in Vietnam and he found a terrible, terrible situation that happened to his mom. So you can imagine. Uh, so, I mean, um, yeah, so, so, I mean, they, um, you know, um, with my real life uh, research with Amerasians and their family members, I found a lot of, you know, incredible stories, incredible reunions, coincidences and, and uh, lucky situations, but also a lot of heartbreaking situations as well. So I documented them in, in this novel, Dust Child. Um, and and this is about real life situation, you know. Um, during our talk at uh, LA Public Library, um, you know, Chan uh, Van Kirk was there, right? Um, he's he's an American filmmaker and who managed to find his parents after forty eight years. Yeah. And you know, growing up, um, so Kirk is is the award winning um, director of. Um, the documentary uh, Intersections, which won uh, Best Inspirational Award at the Cannes uh, World Film Festival. And uh, he came to, I mean, he read that child and he he told me, you know, I mean, um, he, he told me that the novel connected with him um, in such a profound way because uh, you know there there were situations in, in you know it because 
it explained to him some of the things that had happened to his life. And, you know, um, and Kirk was, um, Kirk grew up believing that he was an orphan. He was told that his parents had died. And when he did the DNA test to, you know, just because people said, because he spent a lot of time in the sun, so he's quite brown. So people thought he was, uh, from Hawaii or from the Philippines. So he wanted to find out whether where he was from. And then suddenly he found his parents and and his, he, you know, he has been adopted by this, uh, by an American family. And then he found out that his mom was living just uh, an, around an hour away yeah. from his adopted parents' home. And she had been looking for him for 80, uh, 48 years, you know? It's insane. It's insane the amount of uh, people that are in this historical period that are living in pain and unknowing, you know, for the last 48 years. And there's still tens of thousands of admirations that are living both abroad and in Vietnam that are wondering where their lineage come from yeah exactly exactly and um and 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 the search is ongoing i mean for you know and i think it's also very painful for the parents of amerasians especially you know the mothers who um who had to give their children up due to their circumstances you know i mean um I, I, I talked to women who had to work in bars that served American soldiers. And, um, you know, I mean, you know, in, in, in Hollywood movies, normally you 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 see them being represented as, as victims, as those, you know, who need to be rescued by men. And actually, you know, the women I interviewed, they are just incredible, very strong, resilient women. And they had to make these really hard decisions. And 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 some of them have been, you know, searching for for their children, you know, um, hoping that they they be able to find them, and you know, quite a few of them haven't. And uh, you know, the women in Vietnam whom I interviewed, you know, many of them also didn't know about, you know, the existence of of. Um, a uh, of DNA test, for example, or how they could get access to that. So one of the things I've been doing through this book tour is, you know, do do awareness raising and also, you know, fundraise to be able to help um, buy DNA kits and make them available for Vietnamese mothers who are looking for their kids, and also to make the DNA uh, t uh, test kits available for, you know, uh, veterans. Um, who might be able to, who might have had children in Vietnam. And, you know, like like the, the Amerasian whom I mentioned uh, before, who found her father uh, and, and united with him recently, you know, the father had no idea he had had fathered a child in Vietnam. And it, this is the situation of, of many uh, American veterans, you know. They went to Vietnam as young boys. They were many of them were traumatized right. so they they try they have tried to you know um forget about vietnam and um not thinking that they might have had a child so um yeah so we want to 
also to raise awareness about this issue for American veterans. And, you know, and also we want to make DNA test kits available for veterans who might want to do a DNA test. So, um, you know, during my book tours, I have been able to meet and I've been working uh, as a volunteer for organizations such as um, um Operation uh, Reunite, uh, Reunite run, run by uh, Trista Goldberg, who, you know, is using, has been using DNA technology to help find family members. I've been working with, uh, with Anh Nhạc Tùng or Jimmy Miller, um, you know, um, with his um, nonprofit called um, um, Amerasian Without Border. So we, we you know, we do... Um, you know, all of us volunteer and, you know, we we help support um, American families who are in need of support for, you know, um, employment or educational opportunities. And we also support the people to find each other, um, you know, um, and, and in, interpret for, for reunion. And I also uh, work, work with Jan Van Kirk in on the intersection documentary because we want to document, you know, real life experience, real life stories of Amerasians through this documentary. You know, the women that you portray in the book, uh, I think for the first time we are we are seeing the humanity of these women instead of some caricature in Hollywood films that depict working bar women. Was that something deliberate that you designed specifically to show how these women how strong and fierce and 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 alive they are versus you know what we see on screen uh, traditionally through old hollywood films um actually i i um yeah i mean i before i wrote this book i look at the representation of different characters in 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 the book that I wanted to write about, and I wanted to write back to the misrepresentation of Vietnamese people, of of Americans, of you know, of veterans, and of those who have been trauma traumatized and affected by wars and armed conflicts. Um, um, but but I think my purpose was not to kind of um, I mean this 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 is a piece of decolonized uh, you know like this book is my, you know, one of the things I do to decolonize literature about Vietnam. But I think I had to write it that way because um, I I grew up in Vietnam, you know. Uh, I, I know Vietnamese women. I'm a Vietnamese woman. <laughs> uh, and, and I interviewed so many, um, you know, um, women who, who worked in bars, who, you know, who had to, um, who had to, sacrifice their youth to be able to save family and also they they had to save themselves because you know it was during the war the circumstances were were horrible and um i mean i have so much admiration for these women and you know uh, as for example going in my in my book you know she's quite fierce fierceless i yeah. mean i have two two sister characters in the novel and I mean, I wanted to write about sisterhood because, you know, I don't have a sister. <laughs> and sometimes when something is missing in your life, you yeah. make it up in fiction. So I wanted to write about sisterhood. So I had a lot of 
fun writing about Quỳnh and Chang and you know um you know they they are different people one is very romantic and you know um and the other one is like you know um she's quite fierce and 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 you know i mean i have met very fierce vietnamese women in my life yes. and um and 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 you know like queng she's a business person <laughs> and you know uh it was all business for her uh And, and 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 I think I have met many Vietnamese people like that in my life, many Vietnamese women who are very successful in business and who are very practical. And Quynh is a practical and she has a lot of secrets. And I, I want to talk about secrets as well. And and this is um what uh, many Americans have told me after reading this book, that, you know, the secretive part, you know, that... They have had to hide from each other, or, or, or I mean, the 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 secret part. You know, I mean, um, I mean, people have to keep secrets in with the because they need to protect their family uh, in some situation. Um, so so it, it it's very hard. It's very hard, and because you know the types of decisions people have had to make to be able to survive to be able to keep the uh, their families together or to be able to protect their family you know the decisions are just so incredible you know i can imagine you are telling a story there's no way that a limited amount of pages can tell a comprehensive story of everybody who are you know is admiration the experience of admirations do you sort of have to calculate what you're saying and what angle you take to kind of um, make sure that you cover everything? Or is there just a, a straight line and you just write straight from your heart to do the best that you can to tell a few stories? Like, how does that work when there's a big community of Amerasians all over the world? How do you know if you've kind of like stepped on somebody's toes here or you've done a great job here, but left out other things here? How do you know how to balance all that? In a, in a in a novel, um, actually, you know, I I I wrote this novel as part of my PhD project, um, so um, so luckily I had a lot of guidance. For example, in terms of the ethics of research, you know, um, mm -hmm. I had to design questions. For example, if I interview Americans, I had to be careful to not 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 to um, get them re-traumatized, you know, and show respect for them. And, and, and you know, so, can, can I you, mean, um, I also um, can, can look you, I'm into... Sorry. I'm so sorry. Can you give me a, uh, an example of a question that doesn't re-traumatize? Mm. So, um, for example, um, so, you know, the, the research process for this book, um, you know, I, I started with... Um, with have uh, you know like uh, drafting the project document uh, about the purpose whom I would interview and uh, the type of questions that I would ask and you know whom would be uh, the the people I would approach for these type of questions so for example in some situations I decided not to interview the person because it could be too traumatic for example the the american character in my book you know i mean i wanted to include the voice of an american man because 
um, many Vietnam, uh, many American men have written in the viewpoint of Vietnamese women. So I wanted to do the same to them, you know, to see how it feels. <laughs> and actually it feels empowering. It was, but I couldn't have done that without my years, you know, working with uh, American veterans. Um, and I, I was introduced to this uh, veteran who was a former helicopter pilot in Vietnam. And, and you know, my character is an, a former helicopter pilot whose helicopter was shot down. And this is the reason that he's very, he has, you know, very bad PTSD. So when I was introduced to this pilot, uh, former pilot, I thought, oh, I met the right person because his helicopter was also shot down, shot down in Vietnam and he barely escaped death. So, but I was thinking about it for weeks and I decided not to interview him because it would be too traumatic for him if I, you know, um, ask him to describe how it was. And and because, you know, he has very bad uh, PTSD and, and, you know, so I decided not to interview him, but rely on secondary information. Um, and, you know, I think um, because, you know, um, research can can be damaging to people if you're not careful and you know um so for all the people that whom i interviewed i i had the consent form i had um you know like i explained to them what what i would use with the information like i would document it in a novel and i would not reveal their identity because some of these women these people have had to keep several secrets you know right. with them and 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 so I one of the things I decided to do is to um, protect their, their identity and that's why you know I I don't acknowledge the names of the people whom I have interviewed in for for the book um and um so so you know I mean so I collected so much information over the years you know I because I drafted this over seven years so on top of interviewing real life people and doing you know kind of work to help re reconnect people I also watch a lot of documentaries um, you know like oral stories and um, films and I have read a lot of memoirs fiction and non-fiction books so I had a lot of information. So like you said, you know, I mean, the question is, how do you honor all of these experiences? How do you make it? Uh, because my my position as a writer is to present a story with multiple perspectives, you know. I wanted it to be, uh, you know, to to honor those experiences in a fair way. So in in there were times that I felt really overwhelmed that I nearly had a crisis. Then I thought I couldn't do this project because, you know, to write in the voices uh, of the people whose experiences are so different from mine are so challenging. But, you know, then I, because one of the reasons I wanted and I needed to write this novel is that there is no, no novel yet uh, written about admirations in Vietnam as well as their parents' experiences in a comprehensive way. Um, so, um, so, you know, I looked at, uh, you know, um, novels in both Vietnamese and English, and I haven't been able to find 
such a novel yet. So I decided to embark on this project and um and I, I also wanted to explore, you know, about the experiences of, of people who were involved in these issues. Um, so, you know, it's not just about Americans and their family members, but I brought into the picture, you know, viewpoints of veterans who fought during different times, uh, doing um, on different sides of the war. And also I want to bring, I, I brought into this novel also, you know, the current situation in Vietnam, you know, there are issues that I talk about, for example, corruption, injustices or you know the need of people to go overseas to have jobs you know the lack of job opportunities for for certain groups of people um so i i, I want to talk about the social issues that people in vietnam face as well and also you know the 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 pathway to healing of of different groups of people how they find healing i talk about food music uh, you know uh, the ways that people can 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 see each other uh, can can help each other so I mean this book really um like brings together a lot of things I want to do as you know my my from my viewpoint as as someone who who want to set make social impact and I and also I wanted to create this book in in my position as an artist you know so so at one point I told myself, you know, okay, I'm going to grow a tree from the garden of my research. You know, I, I can't bring into the tree everything I have gathered, but, you know, everything I have gathered, you know, on, on which I can build this tree. It, it will, my understanding of the situation, my, the materials, I need to, to go beyond that and make up, you know, a fictional world. And, um, you know, using my creative technique, then I would build uh, the trunk and the branches and wow. for the tree. And I think it's, you know, once you have finished writing the book, you do it as best as you can. And and then, you know, I think it's up to the readers to to receive it. And I mean, of course, I, um, you know, I, I had uh, sensitivity readers. Uh, I have been friends, you know, with uh, Americans who helped me read the book as well. Um, so um, as one point, remember, I reached out to you and I asked whether, you know, you knew um, you knew people who knew people who could read, help read, yeah. read the book. Because um, I have been working with Americans in Vietnam for a while, uh, but they are illiterate, you know. So... Um, yeah, so so luckily one of your friends, uh, you know, um, helped send, uh, you know, the manuscript to one of her friends. So who who read it and who you know um, didn't find any issue with it, and um, I also have um, um, I also asked um, uh, Anh Nhật Tùng or Jimmy Miller, the head of Americans with that border, and to to read it and. He took a, you know, he he read it and he messaged me. He said, you know, like the research that you did was just incredible. You know, this sounds so real. Uh, yeah, and I mean, you know, I although even though this is fiction, you know, I wanted it that I wanted the historical uh, facts to be accurate. You know, for example, the consequences of the implementation of the American Homecoming Act. Uh, you know, what had happened, you know, the implementation of that act led to the buying and selling of Americans yeah. 
And then, you know, like like the many layers of trauma that Americans have had to experience. And I also wanted to bring into this story, you know, the humanity of Americans, you know, they are not victims, you know. Um, Nguyễn Tân Phong in my novel, he's, he's half black and he lives in Vietnam and he experiences racism, but, you know, he's a survivor. He's He's, he's a carpenter, a loving father, a musician. Um, so, you know, I, I do want to talk about, you know, uh, the the many qualities, the many things that Americans can contribute to our community, you know. And 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 I and I think I want to write this book with 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 my wish that the trauma their trauma. And also their acknowledge uh, um, their accomplishment is recognized. You know, I want to switch gears a little bit and kind of compare your journey on the book tours and the people that have come out for the mountains sing. Uh, in contrast with this child, uh, has there been a difference in the reception, in the people, in the sort of overall kind of uh, a reaction between the two books? Um, I, I think you know, but the, uh, when the Mountain Sing was published, uh, it was launched into the pandemic, so my whole book tour was canceled. So you know, like um, I was devastated. I did not unpack my suitcase for months <laughs> mm -hmm. because we worked on the book tour and we had planned wow. for so many events. You know, we worked. My team and I worked on it for for nearly a year. So when it was canceled, I was devastated. Wow. Um, but luckily, you know, with with the help of of some kind people, I started to have virtual conversations and and you know with bookshops, with libraries, with uh, with book clubs. But it was not, you know, oh, even though it was fantastic, but you know, there is nothing better than meeting people in real life, you know, and hugging them and really sharing, you know, uh, you know being in, in, in a room with people and, and feeling the energy. Yeah. And it was incredible. I mean, for me, you know, um, the book tour has been just so incredible. And you have witnessed it during two of my events, you know. Uh, the people actually, you know, um, uh, quite a few people who came have read the mountain sing before. So they felt connected with me and they, you know, they, they want to support my work. Uh, I... But I also have new readers and I also have, you know, um, readers who are Americans or children. I have had quite a few readers who are children of Americans and and they had the book, they read the book and they reached out to me and they, they share with me their parents' stories, you know, them especially the mother stories, you know, and it has been such an incredible experience. So, I mean, I have been really thankful Um for 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 the for the reception I have received um and um you know and and I think the the best part of of this is to be able you know to connect with people from around the world and and also to do be able to do something meaningful like I like what I said you know we have been raising awareness about you know the issues that people have to look for each other and and the impact of wars and conflict and also you know like raise funds and 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 to help real life people because this book is about real life 
You know, when I think about your schedule, just in my brain, when I kind of like imagine what your life is like, uh, and I analyze the last few months, I feel like your writing time is like 10% of the overall journey of what you do because there's so much connecting, there's so much uh, reaching out and, and, and talking to people and really touching people. How do you manage to keep going consistently with your health and your strength and all the energy? You seem to have like an unlimited, we text each other in like the middle of the night, early in the morning, it doesn't matter in the afternoon here in LA, you're around the clock person and you're traveling <laughs> constantly over multi-continent. How do you do it? How do you have so much energy to do all this? Okay, and you are so, so, so nice. Um, thank you for the compliment. I um actually, I, I'm, I have the energy because I love what I do. Mm. I don't consider this as work. I consider this as joy, you know. I mean, um, you know, like when when I looked, because, you know, when I started this book tour, we had in mind, my publisher and I only had a few events in mind. But then people started reaching out to me and, you know, and then we started adding, adding. And in the end, when I look at the schedule, I said, I started to say no, but, you know, I couldn't add because there were still more requests and there were like bookstores or libraries in, in different cities who wrote to me, we would love to bring you here. But I look at my schedule and then I said, I couldn't fit anymore. So can you believe doing my book tour? Sometimes I had two different, two events in one day. Wow. And it was very often that I had, I flew to one city and then had in the morning and had the event the night in the night and then the next morning you know fly and then have an event again it was really hectic but it was a lot of fun in the beginning i thought oh how am i going to survive this you know because like i had 19 cities uh, included in the us i think it was crazy and it was so many events and but um i decided i I would be high by, you know, one of, uh, I, I would be Bacheng. <laughs> Bacheng, you know, going, I, I would be a, a, a warrior, you know, fighting my war to get Vietnamese literature heard, you know, to get uh, Vietnamese voices heard. And, uh, and I thought, you know, you know, when people, you know, go on this, this, this mission, they couldn't have comfortable bed, they would have be sleeping on the field. And <laughs> here I was having a comfortable hotel and wow. had friends who helped me, you know, I had so many people who helped me everywhere. And the, my incredible blessing is that I got to know people uh, through the mountain thing. And then I, they offered to host me, drive me around, be friends with me, yeah. you know, took care of me. I couldn't have, uh, I couldn't have done this without the help of so many people. And, you know, I mean, um, I, I see a lot of joy in everything that so, so much joy in connecting with people and in learning from them, you know? Um, yeah. And, and so, during this time, do you have to take a break from writing or are you writing at least an hour a day on these trips? No, I, I take a break from writing so that I can enjoy this fully. Mm -hmm. And also, like like you said, you know, to take care of my health. Because uh, every day I still exercise. So mm -hmm. I run in the morning or, um, you know, um, or 
or I I do um you know or, or I walk or I do an exercise class in my room, um yeah and I walk a lot so I I have to uh, stay healthy, um and I take my vitamin supplements and try to eat healthy and so when my friends ask me what can I bring you I say bring my me fruit you know because I um yeah so um yeah but it has been a lot of fun so um so you know um yeah so i decided to take a break from 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 but i mean i have had to do a lot of writing still because you know uh, to answer media interviews you know uh, quite a few of them are written interviews so you know uh the the book tour it's long because it covers so many countries, you know. So I started in the U.S., Canada, and it went to uh, the U.K. And now I'm in Austria, and I'm about to go to New Zealand and Australia and Indonesia. And then um, and then in September, I will, because the book is being translated to, into nine languages. So I will go to Italy, to Sweden, to Norway, uh, into the UK again. So, and to Bangkok, I've been invited to the Bangkok International Festival. So, you know, like, yeah, but I think the difficult thing is to to have time to write. So um, I look forward to being home in July. So in July and August, I'll be able to work on my book. But um, in June, I will be in Vietnam. I, I will do field research for the third book. So the third book, uh, I have been writing it and I have uh, 50 pages already. And now I need to supplement it with a lot more research. You know, I uh, always listen to our dear friend, Dr. Bao. He always says to me, I want to hear what I can't find from Google about the author. I want to hear details and facts about the way they think and the way they live and the way they breathe, things that I can't read. And so that's why half of it was about, you know, Dust Child and the Mountain Sing. And the other half, I really wanted to go off track and ask you about all these other uh, different things because I wonder about all these facts about you and your life and why is it do you think that makes you stand out i know i've had so many authors on the podcast but i know they haven't even done one tenth of the traveling that you have done or been asked and those books are great as well the authors are awesome but what is it do you think about dust child or you that have that is bringing you to so many communities and countries around the world i would love to know what you think about you Oh, I, I can't an answer that question because the question lies in the people who want to invite me. <laughs> what, what do you think? What do you think that they're thinking? Um, I I think I hope that they invite me because uh, they love my writing first of all, and I also um you know, I I think people also want to have me because I want to give like my UK publisher. She said. I give a hundred ten percent because you know in my in my um, life uh, events I read poetry in Vietnamese and English I I I sing songs that I have composed for my readers I do a lot of uh, you know like uh, I I 
I don't, I want to entertain people mm. with my live event, you know? Uh, so we, we do a lot of fun things together and I want people to have fun when they come to real life event because like, uh, you know, um, people have to travel, have to brave the rain, have to brave the traffic. Sometimes they have to pay tickets, right? And you, you need to entertain people because their time is valuable. So I, I love and I respect my readers a lot. And, you know, I'm so moved that many of them have traveled a long ways. So, you know, some some flew from different cities to see me. There were readers who like travel for nine hours, you know, to see me. So this is like the greatest honor. And, and you ask me where I get the energy from, you know, I get the energy from the love of my readers. And, you know, like, I mean, people gave me a lot of cards and it's just yesterday that I started reading all of these cards and I was crying a lot because I was thinking, you know, what did I do to deserve all this love? And I think they they love me because they have read my, my book and they understand me. They understand the person I am. And I think, you know, um, if you read a book, you can really see the the values and the beliefs of a writer because you you know a writer cannot hide that you know uh you yourself as a person you show through your work even though it's fiction you know one thing that gravitates uh me to the your your writing is i think human beings are very judgmental we are very judgmental. That's just part of who we are, how we operate. Churches are set up that way. Temples are set up that way. The, the, the infrastructure of politics, everything is based on judgment and kind of sizing everybody up. But I think your novels give us a respite, gives us a breather from judgment, from being judgmental and having sort of like this unconditional way of looking at humanity unconditional love for our neighbors and i think that kind of levity that kind of that lightness allows uh communities to come together from all sorts of different political walks of uh life within the vietnamese community uh we could see glimpses of the north the south and you know regular human beings going about their business without any judgment and i think that that's just my kind of guess on why people around the country, around the world, are just rallying towards uh, Dust Child and the Mountain Sing is because we get a break from being so judgmental. That's just my kind of take on on why. Oh, wow. This, this, this is such a great uh, compliment. And, 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 and this is what I aim to achieve in my life to being yes. non-judgmental. Yeah. Because, you know, I think it's, it's easy to judge people when something happens, especially something unpleasant happen. You always, you know, I mean, we as, as human beings, we, we tend to judge it very quickly or this is a bad person or, but I think, and, but if we stop and say, okay, what happened to that person to drive him or her into behaving like that? You know, so so my mission as a writer and as a person is to, you know, develop empathy, to look beyond the immediate action of the person and look at the root causes, maybe the uh, the the cause of the trauma or the cause of, of or or the uh, the experiences of this person you know um so so i i think if our world has more empathy 
for each other and the ability to kind of to kind of you know um look into each other's circumstances you know and and recognize that we are human beings and we do make mistakes and um you know um and and to help each other you know then the world would be such a, a much a much better place But yes, yeah, so. I, I really do think the world is becoming a better place. I I do. I feel that it was better today than it was ten years ago than it was twenty years ago. I I truly feel with voices like yours uh, in the Vietnamese community and other writers giving sort of their perspective. I feel like the world is actually becoming better places. I think it's accented by the news and all of the wars that we sort of see in the Ukraine or. It, it, it's it's these polarizing things to to get attention, but I think overall human beings are treating each other. I feel like with much more respect in real life. But I'm not saying that on on social media or you know when they're going to war with each other on on, on in the news. But I think overall in, in in real life, I feel people are becoming more civil, becoming more loving, um, less judgmental, and uh, and it's a result of like these ways of kind of introducing. The thoughts of of of, of uh, open to not judging humanity. Yeah, I I, I do agree, and I and I think that uh, I'm a very hopeful person, and uh, I always you know look at things on the bright side, and I do agree with you that 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 things are getting better in in general. Um, there are some parts that we are not doing better than before <laughs> like for example we are destroying our environment right. we are um you know um some sometimes you know we we um we invest in economic development and sacrifices you know our environment um you know our a lot of um and also causing a lot of social damage right Uh, in some situations, but in general, I I feel like you know human beings, um, we are treating each other better. And I, I I can give you an example. I remember, and I mean maybe this situation has changed because you know because um because of my writing, but I remember you know um when I first came to um Orange County, um I um. I met the poet uh, Du Tử Lê, a very well-known Vietnamese poet. Um, I think I, I don't remember exactly uh, where he lived, um, but I mean, it was, um, I, I think if I'm not mistaken, uh, you know, um, in the Orange County area, and um, I had... Um, I can't remember what year that was. It must have been 2000, uh, 2016 or, 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 or 2016, maybe around that time. And then um, he told me that, uh, you know, the night before he had received uh, phone calls from people who, who told him, you know, don't meet with Quay Mai. She's well published in Vietnam, uh, you know, um, She must be from the communist side. But poet Zhu Tile is incredible. It's, he's one of my most favorite poets. 
And um, but he said I he decided to meet with me because you know he had and he wanted to hear about my poetry. And you know, he's so famous and his poetry is incredible. And I wanted to get to know him more, but in that meeting, he asked me, you know, to read my poetry for him. And he asked me many questions about my poetry. And he he wrote this huge article after after the, the meeting about my poetry. And, you know, um, and I mean, I cannot believe that I have just, uh, you know, so after that meeting, um, I then had, the, you know, an event um, with Viet Thanh Nguyen in the um, um, Museum of uh, of Art um, in in San Jose, and I was actually very nervous because I had heard from Vietnamese writers from Vietnam that some of sometimes they had faced protests, you know, and then and then uh, I I had dreamt the night before the, the the event that you know that nobody turned up <laughs> but actually we had a full house but you know like um okay so I cannot believe that with that child I had an event in the heart of Orange County you know um it's crowded we had 150 people it's crowded and you know like People in the Vietnamese community in Orange County, you know, donated food, products, uh, you know, volunteered. It was incredible for me. That was the real Tet. That was the best Tet, Tet, the best Vietnamese New Year that I experienced because it was the Vietnamese community coming together. It was so beautiful to see. And I can't believe I had that done, you know, in the heart of Orange County. So things have changed. For the better, uh, you know. I mean, go go like Lee, like Lee Hayslip, uh, author of When Heaven and Earth Change Place, said that when when her 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 memo was launched, you know, she also uh, I mean, and and sometimes when she had events, you know, I mean, she also faced a lot of you know um, issues, but yeah. I mean. Things things have have changed, and it's 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 very. I mean, I think I think the Vietnamese community is coming together. Um, I mean, thanks to the help of of the second generation, you know, people like you can you have done a great deal to bring us together, to reconcile, to foster empathy and understanding. And this type of work is so important. And and I think you know, literature is such a great way to bring people yeah. together right because because you know i mean people can talk about a book but actually it's about their experiences too um so it has been amazing and you know the work of of writers and artists and uh you know like also you know um vietnamese food vietnamese art vietnamese music is really bringing people together and if we have that common love Right, if we have that common love for food, for literature, for art, for music, you know, we are, then we realize we're all the same. Yeah, and beautiful men and beautiful women, beautiful Vietnamese yeah. men and women. It's just uh, our culture is gorgeous. It's just a beautiful, just a beautiful thing, and it is finally being recognized. I think all over the world, and you know, it's our, it's in our sort of. 
DNA to keep pushing, my DNA to keep pushing it and pushing it. And um, I want to, you know, I feel like we're establishing a, a steady rhythm, you and me and a lot of the writers and, and film directors and producers that are uh, in the space of creativity. We're creating this rhythm of uh, like, especially with you and I, it seems like every year you come back on twice and there's books and there's things that we talk about. So this proliferation of our ideas and our thoughts are manifesting uh and amplifying waves of, of, of younger generation and people on the outside to, to look at the Vietnamese yeah. culture in a very different light. Yeah, and we're also fostering Vietnamese pride, you know? Yes. We are proud. We are proud people. I mean, I think Vietnamese people are beautiful and we should be proud of, of what we have achieved as a community. And we should be proud of our culture, our heritage. And I mean, and then but but we also recognize the things that that we, you know, that we still need to work on, you know, mm -hmm. like for my book, I I talk about the racism that still exists in within our community, the the trauma that we have to overcome, you know. Um, but on the other hand, you know, we are we have a lot of things we should be proud about, you know. You know, I want to uh, finish. Uh, our time is kind of limited. I want to really finish on this one fun subject. This is a really fun topic that I've been really debating with friends of mine. So as I was growing up, my mother had always said, don't wear ao yai anywhere because that's not, you know, proper outside of funerals. Funerals, black ao yai for men. In America, in the last 20 years, uh, people from my mother's church started to wear different patterns, men wearing yai, And for that older generation, she was like, only gay men do that. Only gay men would wear it to, 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 to weddings. And, you know, that's one voice. That's my mother's voice. Then I started hearing other people talk about, you know, I wore an yai for my death party, you know, and I felt very proud about wearing an yai. And some of my contacts and friends, you know, close friends of mine, just jokingly, have accused me of being a hyper-culturalist, which is I'm bringing in, and I'm going to actually do a, a single uh, podcast uh, episode to talk about this. But I wanted to get your opinion about uh, the idea of wearing an yai outside of Vietnam, because it seems like traditionally, and you're from Vietnam, you grew up in Vietnam, that men don't wear yai outside of uh, whatever funerals or whatever that they're supposed to. Now in America, I want to, and I am, I have been wearing ao yais to book launches. I've been wearing to film uh, events that are premieres. I'm wearing them everywhere because I feel like I should and I can and I will. What is your take on this new way of presenting ao yai in both men and women? I loved it that you were outside for our event at the LA Public Library. My only regret is that we were so busy and we were having so much fun that we forgot to take a group picture with Queen Ngon, with Jason Nguyen, who also won outside, yes. right? Do we we don't have a we don't have a group picture and and um we we did but with with a lot with other people and it doesn't show our whole outfit and right. your outfit was just so beautiful and 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 I love outside. Actually, um, at my wedding, um, I my husband, who's a German, wore a Vietnamese outside, and it was it was so beautiful. And you know, um, yeah. So 
you know, there are there are Vietnamese singers, male singers who wear outside on stage. So outside, I I I feel you know is is very beautiful, very unique, and it it makes it makes the um, you know, I think it's um. It makes the occasion more lively. I don't know, more special, more beautiful if people wear outside. And I love to see men who wear outside. Actually, there uh, in my um, event, in my book event at um, Social um, Saigon Social in New York City, hosted by um, the Vietnamese Boat People podcast. Mm, Tracy, and there's a board member. By hosted by Tracy Nguyen, right? There's a board member who came wearing a beautiful outside. It was incredible. He his outside was had dragons mm-hmm. on it. So I love to see more men wear outside. Actually, it's it's really special. And you know, like some days when I was on my my book tour, I wasn't feeling so bad, but I wore my outside, and I immediately. I feel better. And even though I'm talking with you on Zoom today, wearing an I'm outside. wearing outside. And, you know, it's it's like this outside is so beautiful. I want to show you. And it's, uh, you know, like it's hand embroidered. Uh, this is wow. embroidery. And I love this outside because it's, um you know, gifted to me by um by a reader who loves my poetry. And she said that, you know, during the war, she, when she, try to survive it was poetry that kept her alive so and, and then she messaged me on facebook and she said when you come back to hanoi you know let me know i have something for you so 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 i thought she had a book for me or whatever and she took me to a tailor she had pre-ordered this fabric and she uh, she wanted to give it to me and she had it tailor made for me and I tried to pay, but she said, no, no, no. And, you know, it's like, it's so crazy, you know. So this is my favorite outside, actually. I wear it everywhere. <laughs> That's incredible. Wichikumai, thank you so much today. I, I know that you have a hectic schedule. And for you to spend time with me, I am so appreciative. Thank you so much. I love speaking with you, Ken. And uh, it's it's yeah you are my good friend so it's it's like talking with a good friend and thank you for spending time with me i really um i celebrate you i appreciate you and i thank you thank you G. thank you for listening to the vietnamese with kenneth win the vietnamese is produced by Brittany tran special thanks to jane win Catherine win tina fam sydney jamie and crystal trin please find us on instagram facebook and tiktok at the Vietnamese podcast. You can also find us on YouTube where you can subscribe, like, and comment. Please rate and give us a review wherever you find our podcasts.